on April the 4th. Wisconsin needs good judges who will uphold our state's constitution. So, in Wisconsin, and I'm actually going to give them a chance here in a minute to share with us. So, uh, in, at the end of the service, I'll invite him up and uh, share his burden with you. I'm thankful that he is here and his wife. And uh, in Wisconsin, the first prohibitions on abortion were introduced as part of an 1849 assembly bill relating to homicide. 1849. It's part of our state's constitution. The U.S. Supreme Court's Roe v. Wade decision 50 years ago superseded every state's law and made abortions legal. But on February, I'm sorry, on Friday, June 24th, I should know, I remember, I was actually in front of Planned Parenthood when I found out about this. On Friday, June 24th, 2022, the Supreme Court overturned Roe. And the day that happened, Planned Parenthood in Milwaukee immediately sent home those who had come for abortions and in short order affiliated an abortionary on the east side literally closed its doors. And I hope it's for good. But our politicians went or they want to amend our state's constitution in order to make provisions for some abortions in situations like rape and incest. Well, this will bring back abortions at Planned Parenthood and other places. And you will also hear debate and controversy over what rape and incest are actually defined as. I really believe that. I really believe that. Of course, pushing the envelope toward a more liberal definition so that any woman can have an abortion for any reason. And we love women. We want to protect everyone's rights, okay? We love women, but we also love the babies. And uh, every human is viable. Every child is created in the image of Almighty God, and they are a precious human being. So I am thankful for politicians and government leaders who seek to honor him and do what is right, and I strongly encourage you to vote. But we cannot elect our way back to righteousness in America. Politicians can't do what God has told the church to do. So I want us to pray together this morning before we read and ask God's blessing as we hear from him. Our Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for truth. God, we, we need the truth. We don't always like it. We don't always want to hear it, but we need it. I thank you for your word. As you said in John 17, sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. I pray that you would help us to study it, to know it, and to be transformed by the word. I pray your Precious blessing on this service today, in Jesus' name, amen. Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2, we see here first the problem of sin. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities, which is another word for sin, your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not here, God can save the wicked, and he, he can hear their prayers. The phrase there in verse number one, the Lord's hand is not shortened, means that his power to save has not decreased. 
When our children disobey, it doesn't matter how much they cry and whine, but until their hard hearts are submitted to their God-given authorities, then the fellowship is going to be broken, or at the very least, it will be strained in the parent-child relationship. There needs to be a change of heart that leads to a change of action. We call that repentance. God, as our Heavenly Father, uh, when we are doing what is wrong and we're breaking that fellowship because of our sinful choices, it's not that He doesn't want to hear our prayers, but He said, your sin, your sin has separated you from me. God wants to bless us just like you want to bless your children. Amen? Isn't it a blessing to have, have children? I know some that you know, couldn't have children, but uh, you invested in, in other children, maybe. But it's a blessing to have the, those young people in our lives. But it's a, it's a heaviness, as the Bible says, a heaviness to the mom and the dad whose child is not obeying, who's rebelling. Uh, God enjoys our company just like you enjoy your children. And God loves his children just like we love our children, but he also, God knows his children. He actually can see our hearts. He can see what man cannot see. He sees our heart. God told Samuel in 1 Samuel 6, 7, man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. As my dad used to say, if you are truly sorry, then you will change. And I understand that we don't believe that you can work your way into heaven, and it's not about behavior modification. It's not about, uh, you know, trying to do good, we, good deeds to outweigh our bad deeds, right? We're trying to do that. Many times people are in religion, they try to appease God with their behavior changes. But God says you need a change in your heart, okay? But repentance that begins here in salvation should continue through our sanctification and our salvation should become evident at some point on the outside. And the Bible says that he that hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And so what God has done on the inside should be evidenced at some point on the outside. Because God can see the heart. He knows exactly where we are spiritually. And, uh, and that is why he says this to, to them here. In verse number three, we see the sinful behavior and the wickedness of Israel. Verse three, much like our churches. Uh, he says, for your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue hath muttered perverseness. Uh, there was great sin in Israel, the sin of sacrificing children, just like our country today. Uh, it's, uh, it, it, you know, we think of Israel, we think of, oh, this is God's chosen people. We think of God's uh, plan to save the world came through the Jewish people. But these people were sinners just like all of us. They had great problems. We see that there was abuse and violence and murder. Uh, Jerusalem was no longer the holy city, the beautiful city. Jerusalem was the bloody city. Her crimes showed her disregard for human life, just like Milwaukee is a bloody city. Last year we had 224 murders. Do you think that God should send judgment? The epidemic of murder in our land actually is a judgment from God for the legalized murder of unborn children. With so many innocent babies being killed in private, we should not be surprised by the bloodshed on our streets. This is a heart issue. 
This is a heart issue. We see that in Israel, not only were there's a, there was abuse, violence, and murder, but there was lies and perversion of the truth. He says there in verse 3, he says, Your lips have spoken lies, and your tongue hath muttered perverseness. You're going to find all kinds of pastors across this land that will twist the scriptures. They will twist, twist the Bible into a theological pretzel. And their theology can stink to high heaven, but it sounds so good. And so many people follow and want to hear what that preacher has to say. But that is not being faithful to the word of truth. And we can be guilty ourselves of perverting the truth and living contrary to the Bible, but the Bible should be our standard of faith and practice. We see in 2 Peter 1.3, according as his divine power hath given to us all things that pertaineth to life and godliness. The Bible tells us how to live and how to serve God and honor him and worship him. It says that, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. God calls us to virtue living. But it starts on the inside. If you are not a born-again Christian, meaning that you have not uh, followed Christ as a believer, put your faith in Jesus and his finished work on the cross. Meaning Jesus died because there's, and, and because he died, there's nothing else that we can do or could do to be saved from our sin. So we put our faith and trust completely in Jesus and his finished work on the cross. But if you have done that, praise God, but that work that begins on the inside should continue through virtue in our life. Virtue. Uh, We see letter B, uh, the lies, the perversion of truth. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, speaking again about the word, the word. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. Do you think that God wants us to change? Do you think God wants us to grow? Do you think God wants us to increase in virtue? Yes. He says to be transformed. How? How are we transformed? It says there in Romans 12 too, by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. Sister Anne was with me a couple weeks ago. We went to the office of uh, one of our senators here, and Chris uh, Larson. We went into his office where he invited us to take a donut. It was on Fat Tuesday, and so he had some Polish donuts there, ponch keys. And um, Senator Larson told us that he grew up a Roman Catholic. In fact, he, grew, he lives here in Bayview. He went to Thomas More High School even. He was quick to tell us, though, that he was no longer a Catholic, but a Unitarian. I said that I was at the Capitol that day uh, standing for life and the right to life of the preborn. And he said, well, I hope you would also advocate for the 12-week family leave, which is part of Governor's, Governor Evers' budget, which I was not really familiar with, but uh, he essentially said that because families can't afford to raise children, they need to have access to abortions. But I replied to him, I said, there's room to talk about family leave if it legitimately helps families, because and I, he didn't know this, but I was quoting Bob Jones Sr. As Bob Jones Sr. Has, had said, any good man can be reasonable. I understand there's, there's room to negotiate on some things, but a baby's rights are not negotiable. Amen. 
So just because someone in Washington, D.C. or Madison says that an innocent preborn baby can be discarded because they are an inconvenience or that they are not viable at 12 weeks or 24 weeks or even as some have said, a baby's not viable until they have gone home from the hospital. Just because somebody says that does not mean that they are right. Because according to the Bible, a baby is a unique person created in the image of Almighty God. So we see Not only do we see lies and perversion and the twisting of of truth because we want to go our way and not God's way. The Bible says for us to lean not unto our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge Him. He is the one that needs to direct our paths. We see letter C, injustice. Go with me to verse number four there if you would. None calleth for justice nor any pleadeth for truth. They trust in vanity and speak lies. They conceive mischief and bring forth, again, that word sin, iniquity. There's injustice in our land. That phrase, none called for justice, literally means no one brings a suit with justice. No one goes into court for the purpose of obtaining justice. We cannot be passive about these truth issues. We cannot be passive about right and wrong, my friends. And we can't just kick the can down the road and just say, well, somebody else needs to take care of that problem. Or we elected you to take care of that problem. My friends, the church needs to do what's right first, okay? We are supposed to be the conscience of the community. And, and through that, by being the conscience of, community, of the community, we have the right and privilege to elect Christians to office. People that uphold biblical values, That's our right. That's our privilege. We cannot be passive about life beginning at conception. A baby's heartbeat. We've heard a lot about different states passing heartbeat bills even before Roe was overturned. But a baby's heartbeat may may first be detected by an ultrasound as early as five and a half to six weeks. We need to be a voice for the innocent and oppressed. Proverbs 31, verse 8, the Bible says, Open thy mouth for the dumb, those that can't speak. Open thy mouth for them. In the cause of all such are, as are appointed to destruction. Literally, what that means, those that are appointed to destruction, literally means those who are destined to be bereaved of life. You need to speak up, and I need to speak up. This is a biblical mandate. Uh, Open thy mouth, he says in verse 9. Open thy mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and needy. So we see number three today, the impact of sin on society. Verse number five. In Isaiah's day, the people had been feeding on a diet of deception. Verse five. They hatch cockatrice eggs. That means vipers. The word we don't use today there, but snake eggs, right? And they weave the spider's web. He that eateth of their eggs dieth, and that which is crushed breaketh out into a viper. Sometimes we want to deal with the symptom. Just get rid of the eggs. We got to deal with the viper. Okay, we have to deal with the real problem. Problem number one here is the snake eggs, a diet of deception. A graphic picture of the lies and philosophies that are being hatched then as they are today. Our public schools and much of society purports itself to be non-religious or secular. But materialism, humanism, new ageism, socialism, communism, uh, evolutionism, 
If I didn't say atheism, atheism, those are all religions of, that's all religion in our secular society. That's our secular society's actual faith. So our kids are being served up in our schools and on YouTube, social media, go on TikTok, you go on uh, video games, read books, movies, the music of our culture. They're being served up this diet of deception on a daily basis. And so we cannot be passive about the entertainment choices that we make and that our children are being given. We can't be passive about our children's education. We should not be passive about uh, so many of these issues because they have great moral implications. And we scratch our head down the road and wonder why our kids think the way that they do. But it's because they've been served up this diet. And if we don't stop it, then we are to blame because God has given them to us to be a steward of their life and their upbringing and education. So what is influencing your children? Who is influencing your children? What is the end goal in sending Christian kids to a school where they are being fed secular religion? Well, they're getting a good academic foundation. I know of so many kids that have gone off to university and they have lost their faith. And I, I would... I would say that possibly they were never saved to begin with. Maybe they were enlightened to some truth, but they were never actually saved. But the point is that this world, the pressure of society and culture is so strong, we need to do all that we can to, to instill truth into our children and not put them in impossible situations where they are so impressionable they're going to be shaken and they're going to be uh, torn apart by these secular philosophies that are being taught by uh, very influential people. Um, Jay Giacino, in his book, Truth Has Fallen in the Street, says, to teach academic subjects apart from Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, according to Colossians 2.3, is to fundamentally disconnect the world we all see and live in from the one it was created by and for. We want to say things are secular. They want to say things are secular. It's just, not, it's just non-religious. It's completely sterile. It's secular. But that is not true. The, the philosophies are ingrained in our society. We need to do all that we can to instill God and keep instilling the truth of God's word in our children, even when we teach math, Brother BJ, and even when we teach science, of course, there's so many things that could be said about God in science. Uh, even when we teach some of the mundane, more mundane things that we think, like even finances, God has something to say about every subject. And so we should be teaching our children uh, in that truth. That is our privilege, and that is our responsibility. Number two, the problem number two that we see here, before I go on, I want to quote Proverbs 1-7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and destruction. Letter B, problem number two, spider's webs, spider webs, a web of wickedness. Think about how a spider uses their web. They are laying a trap for an unsuspecting fly or moth. Down in Texas, I remember we, we had a lot of black widows. I don't like black widows. I really don't like tarantulas. I think that black widow is even more poisonous than a big tarantula. We had something I never heard of before down in Texas. They were called brown windows. I don't know what the difference is. Probably more poisonous. Probably bigger. I don't know. Everything's bigger in Texas, right? We lived there for two years. The, the roaches were big. The spiders were big. And um, <laughs> we, uh, we saw those spider webs. 
a lot of places. You open up the, the uh, I was going to say the grill, but down there it's the barbecue, right? They have a barbecue pit. You know, everyone has a huge barbecue pit. You know, they put them on trailers, and they pull them behind them. They take them to events, and they bake. You know, they, they, uh, they will uh, grill uh, hundreds and hundreds of, bur- well, I was going to say burgers, but they have brisket and all the other good things that they have down in Texas. I know it's almost noon, so I'm just trying to whet your appetite a little bit here. So I remember going to my brother-in-law's house down in uh, Sinton, Texas, and one day we went out there. We're going to grill some steaks or something, and he opened up the barbecue pit, and that thing was full of black widow spiders. I thought, what are you going to do? He poured, I don't know, if he, I think it was like some uh, lighter fluid, lit a match, and burnt. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to eat on that now. <laughs> oh, man. But that's why they're... They're just tough down there, you know? Mole cowboys. And uh, my brother-in-law and his, his dad's 40-acre ranch, you know? And uh, had his uh, cows out there and everything. But those spiders, they weave their webs, don't they? We see them around here. We see them in our house. Some spider webs, uh, uh, some spiders use their webs to snag insects with drops of glue, basically. Others uh, are woolly, their silk is made of thin strands that cling to an insect's hairs and legs. I was reading that a study done by UC Berkeley, a UC Berkeley professor discovered that spider webs, and I, <laughs> this is fascinating, spider webs actually change shape in response to electrostatic charges of insects. Positively charged bugs are actually attracted to the negatively charged spider webs. That spider waits for the unsuspecting prey, right? And when the bug flies into the web, the spider runs over, he wraps that, that bug in its silk, and uh, he sets it aside to be consumed later many times. They go back, and then they, they wait for their next victim. That's a picture of how the enemy works. He weaves the web of... One, one thing that he's weaving in our society is the web of pornography, in 2014, the Barna Group conducted a survey that found that 54%, now this was just part of their study, but I, I, I drilled all the way down to find out, uh, born-again Christians, what is the, what is the, and it was lower, of course, I, I, I thought that would be the case, but it is still astounding that 54% of Christian men who identified as born-again admit that they view pornography at least monthly. But think about our kids and what this generation is facing. You know, you, you, you see, I saw one of our kids up here, going up here today. And it's, and it's his parents' business, but he put his phone in his pocket. Well, that kid wasn't even in sixth grade. Now, you might be saying, well, I know kindergartners have phones. But, you know, growing up, that was, that was not, never an option for me. But you think about what kids are facing, what they're being bombarded with on a daily basis now. Uh, with their phone, not just pornography, but all the other stuff that's there with the philosophies that we talked about earlier. But... What sacrifices would you make, parent, to keep your children from avoiding this trap of Satan? Would you be okay with your daughter marrying somebody who is addicted to pornography? A lot of people say that they have a fatalistic view of this. Well, you know, everybody's doing it. But that, again, you are being trapped into this web of deception that the devil is weaving to say that, oh, we can't have victory over our flesh. We have to give in. And we justify it. We justify it uh, based on uh, our relative view of the culture. We say, well, everyone in the world is doing it. 
Well, that should not be spoken of by Christians. That should not be said of Christians, born-again Christians. Now, we need to, we need to ask God for help that we would, that we would be so... Uh, we would be so close to him, number one, that we would not need anything more. As David said in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I believe he, he could say that the Lord was my shepherd because the shepherd was his Lord. See, God was first place in his life. And that's the first step, that we would have a relationship with God. Uh, but then there's other things that we can put into place to protect ourselves from this constant bombardment that the world is placing on men and also women now that are addicted to pornography. We see that the, the enemy weaves his web of alcohol. Uh, binge drinking has become such a problem that several universities have had to create policies to deal with binge drinking. According to uh, alcohol, alcoholrehabguide.org, so I got some statistics on this, 80% of college students binge drink. Okay, well, that, that didn't really surprise me. But 20% could be considered to have an alcohol use disorder. We're talking about 18 to 22-year-olds that are already developing uh, this alcohol dependence that will carry out through the rest of their life. That's your, base, that's your baseline here. That's your standard. Because what we do as, as youth, in our youth, we develop those habits that carry us through our life. And God says, he has prohibitions against drinking alcohol. It's not, it's not me. Uh, you know, you say, well, that Pastor Hoover, he's a teetotaler. You know, he's against us. Well, because God's against it. The Bible says that wine is a mocker, strong drink, and strong drink is raging, and Proverbs 20, verse 1. We need to not be deceived by this lie of Satan, that in order for us to be happy and to have a good time, we have to get drunk. My word. Don't we see the effects of what alcohol has had on our society? And I pray that if you're not there yet, that you would grow, uh, that God would convict your heart, that you would grow towards understanding that this is a scourge on homes, on people's lives who are victimized through the uh, drunk driving accidents, been killed. I, we Probably all of us in this room know of somebody that has been affected directly by this issue. Uh, the enemy weaves his web of drugs. We have an o- uh, opioid uh, epidemic that is claiming so many lives. A- actually, last year in 2022, I presided over two funerals of men in their 30s and 40s who overdosed on drugs. Many are innocently getting hooked on maybe pain medication because of an injury at work or a surgery. I've known several that that was their gateway into getting hooked on heroin. They get hooked. They get deeper and deeper because they don't know how to handle this problem. Maybe they don't want to admit that they have a problem. They don't know who to turn to. And some uh, get to where they are hooked on, this, on, on something like heroin, which is just it, it just, it wreaks havoc on your body. You are, you are a, a slave, literally a slave to this addiction. Uh, letter C, we see, and we could say so much more about that, but letter C, we see problem number three, the traffic jams. I'm going to uh, continue on for sake of time. We'll go down to verse number seven here. Uh, well, I'll read verse six. I don't think I read that. Their webs shall be no 
uh, not become garments, neither shall they cover themselves with their works. Their works are works of iniquity. The acts of violence is in their hands. We kind of see a repeating of some of these same things about violence and deception. Verse 7, their feet run to evil. They make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their paths. The way of peace they know not. And there is no judgment in their, in their uh, goings. They have made them crooked paths. Whosoever goeth there and shall not know peace. Well, what are we hearing in the world today? We want peace. Peace. And as Dave Ramsey says, you will never know real peace until you've met the Prince of Peace. Verse number nine, therefore is judgment far from us. Neither does justice overtake us. We wait for light, but behold, obscurity for brightness. We walk in darkness. We grope for the wall like the blind. We grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday as in the night. We are desolate uh, in desolate places as dead men. We roar like bears and mourn sore like doves. We look for judgment, but there is none for salvation, but it is far off from us. For our transgressions are multiplied before thee, and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us, and as far as our iniquities, we know them. And transgressing and lying against the Lord and departing away from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood. Why is all of this? Well, he says in verse 14, And judgment is turned away backward, and justice standeth far off. For truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. We see that problem number three, the traffic jam. We come to the reason for all of our social woes right here. Truth has been dumped into the street like trash. See in verse number 15 there, Yea, truth faileth, and he that departeth from evil maketh himself a prey. That phrase, he that departs from evil taketh himself a prey, maketh himself a prey. When you speak up for morality, justice, and truth, you become the bad guy. You become the villain. We see all kinds of good men and women who are being made out to be villains today, don't we? We see people that are trying to do what's right, and they are put down. They are, they are uh, besmirged in the press, in social media, because their views are not popular. And because the, pop, the, the popular view is not the Bible view. It's not the truth. Man wants to do what he wants to do, what feels good to him, what is good for our flesh. And although we feel good sinning, the Bible says about Moses particularly um, that he chose to, to be with God's people. Why? Rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And I think that, that last phrase there, for a season, is very important because sin is pleasurable, but it's only for a season. See, it doesn't last. Uh, the drugs wear off. The alcohol wears off. Uh, the, uh, somebody addicted to pornography, they keep going back. See, this doesn't satisfy. The sin never satisfies. But God's truth always is the solution. But our flesh doesn't want that. 
And so if you stand for truth and you try to, try to bring people along into the right thinking and into the right philosophies and you bring out the word of God, you are hated. And so there is a traffic jam in our society. Uh, you see that justice and judgment and equity are coming down the street, if you will. But because truth has fallen in the street in our society, all of those things are not working as they should. We hear a lot about justice and equity, but we don't really understand what those things are because we have said we don't want the truth. See, with the truth, when we come back to God's way, then justice works. Judgment works. Equity works. But I'm going to say this morning, truth isn't dead. Because you can kill the messenger of truth. You can uh, villainize people that are speaking the truth. But you can never get rid of God's truth. Which is awesome today. Because truth is eternal. There isn't anything wrong with the truth. We just need to get back to it, okay? We need to get back to the word of God. I know we want to destroy the snake eggs. We want to knock down the spider webs. We try to deal with the symptoms. While all along the snake keeps producing more eggs. And the spider keeps weaving more webs. We want to deal with the behavior because that's what we can readily see. Uh, if a young man maybe is struggling with pornography, some say, well, he just needs to get married and that will take care of the problem. Uh, if binge drinking is the problem, well, then let's just rearrange the quiz and test schedule uh, and not fraternize with the students at the bar. Actually, that's what Marquette, uh, their suggestion is to deal with binge drinking. And uh, they don't know what to do about this, this uh, issue. Uh, behavior modification doesn't solve the heart problem, friends. You can't regulate morality because morality is a heart issue. People have to decide, exercise their will, and say, I'm going to do what's right. And we understand as believers that we can't do what's right without God's help. So we have to choose what's right and say, God, help me to do it. You can take every single gun off the street tomorrow, and it won't solve the murder problem because the murder problem is a heart problem. Abortion doesn't stop when it becomes illegal, so only truth can get to the human heart and destroy the snake and the spider. Truth is to your heart what food is to your body. So the Bible in our hands is the word of God and the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us, within us, called the spirit of truth. Jesus said of himself, I am the way, the truth, and life. Remember that? John 14. But the church is also called the pillar and ground of the truth. So who is it that is supposed to fix this truth problem in society? Who's supposed to, uh, who's supposed to uh, take truth out of the street where it has fallen and lift it up and to exalt truth? That is the church, and we have the answer right here. Amen? So instead of trying to change behavior, we need to preach the truth. A lot of our problems we're facing today can be dealt with very quickly if God's men across this nation, preachers, would actually stand in the pulpits of their churches and would preach the truth with boldness. Feed yourself the truth. Feed your children the truth. Feed your neighbors the truth. Feed society the truth. Now, this is not a political message. You may say, well, I I know what I need to do. I need to go get a a yard sign and wear a hat and and do all kinds of... No, 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 no. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is we we need to be affected by the truth in our life, and then we need to live it out. Live it out, okay? The Bible says, John, John 8, 32, Jesus said, and ye shall know the truth. This is a verse that we, many of us know. 
Uh, ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Do you know why people don't have peace and why they're all bound up and they have bondage in their life and they, have, uh, they, they need to be delivered from their problems? It's because they are not acquainted with the truth. So we need to know the word of God. We need to know the uh, God of the word. We need to have a familiarity with what is true and exalt it to where it should be, place it where it should be at, as the standard and the base of all of our faith and all of our practice in life. The word of God needs to be read in our homes. It needs to be read in our churches. The whole counsel of God's word. Not just a few verses that we like to read, but the whole word. Every part of it. Because all of God's word. The Bible says that all scripture is given by God. By inspiration of God. And is profitable for doctrine, for instruction, for reproof. That the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. So we need the truth not more philosophy, not more, uh, you know, well, you know, they're a victim, so we just got to um, give them some money. We got to just, uh, you know, make another program for this uh, issue over here. My friend, what we need to do is get back to God. Get back to truth. Now, our theme this year is not ashamed. We've been preaching through this topic of standing on the truth. And standing for truth is not easy. But it is what is so desperately needed today. It isn't always easy to speak the truth, but I'm thankful for the clear conscience and the restful sleep at night that it brings. Because I said this a few weeks ago. It'd be a whole lot easier to tell people what they want to hear. But when I know what is right, because I'm reading the Word of God, when I know what's right and I don't say what the Word of God says, I'm not going to sleep very well. It's not always easy to stand up and say things to people. And you, you need to be, be the same way, where you are willing to just tell people what's right, do the right thing. We talked about integrity last week. A few weeks ago, we talked about Micaiah and how he took a stand. It was 400 prophets to one, and he was that one. That's tough, isn't it? It's difficult when you're not in the majority. But... When God is on our side, when we're on God's side, I know we always say when God's on our side. No, we're on his side, okay? When we're on God's side, guess what? We are in the majority. It's not easy to stand in front of men and in front of people and to say, thus saith the Lord, this is what's right, especially when society does not go along with this. But my friend, it is always right to do what's right. It is always right to declare truth. So my, my challenge to all of us this morning May we do what we can in our homes. May we not allow our children to raise themselves and to have access to the internet and all of these things just, just untethered, un, you know, unrestrained access to the internet because that honestly is the highway on which all of these philosophies and all of these, uh, these belief systems and everything, all this junk, it travels on the highway of the internet. We need to be careful with, with our phones and tablets and all those types of things. But not, and I might say, I should say, not just for our children, but for all of us. I don't care if you're 75 years old, which is really young. I was going to say 90, but, you know, 75. But if you're 75 years old, you can still be affected by some of these philosophies. It gets into our heart, it, 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 and our heart is deceitful. So may God help us to guard, put that guard up around our home. 
That is your responsibility. Your children are not the government's responsibility. It's not the school's job to raise your child. It's not even the church's job. We're here to help. God established the home first, though. He established government and church, but he established the home first. So that's, that's our job as parents. And, I, and I, guess what? I'm not just pointing my finger at you this morning because I've got three of my own. See? I'm pointing one finger at you, and I've got three fingers pointing back at myself. And those three fingers are Silas, Calloway, and AJ. I've got three of my own children that, by God's grace, we have to raise in the truth. Okay? I'm not saying that you cannot have entertainment. I'm not saying that you cannot use the internet or anything like that. Those are tools, by God's grace. They are good tools for, for, for good things, okay? But be ever so careful and do not be naive. Don't think, well, eh, they're not getting into anything. Your children are more adept at technology than any of us are, okay? I'm just going to tell you that right now. They know how to use it. They know all the tricks, okay? So... If you don't know how to use it, if you're, if you're just lost on all this, ask somebody for help. We work together. We're a community. We work together on these things to help, help you uh, raise a godly seed. And so let's do this by God's grace. You might say, well, this doesn't apply to me. I don't have any children. You, again, I said if you're 75, so that probably includes probably pretty much anyone 75 and young, younger in here, or if you're 90 for that matter. You can be affected by these things. So let's ask God for our own self. May God help us to not give in to the pressure. Some people might have to face a job, a career situation. You might lose your career because of taking a stand, having some integrity. But again, always side with God and his word. Let's pray. Let's stand to our feet if we could as we close here. Father, I pray that you bless uh, this time of short invitation and prayer. I pray, Lord, if there's somebody here that is not a born-again Christian, if they're not saved, I pray that, God, as you moved in this place, that you would touch their heart and work in their heart, that they would find, uh, find Jesus to be their personal Savior, and we, they would come forward at this invitation. We could counsel them, that they could make a decision for, for eternity. Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to speak today. Thank you for your grace.